Hello and thank you for listening to this Exploring ASD podcast with the Northern Trust. I'm James Nelson, I'm a psychiatrist in the Trust and I'm very pleased to be joined today by my colleague Lois. Lois, thanks for joining today. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, um, my name's Lois and I'm one of the specialist speech and language therapists in the paediatric ASD service. So I'm mostly involved in the diagnostic side of our service with ASD assessments, um, but I also run some intervention groups and deliver some parent training as well. Excellent. Thanks, Lois. And I think we've entitled this podcast, Supporting What You Say in a Visual Way. So we're thinking about visuals today. We're thinking about how they can support young people on the autism spectrum. And maybe just to kick off with that, Lois, what do you mean when we talk about visual supports for people? So I suppose visuals really are things that we see. So they include environmental cues, pictures, objects, body language and written text. And we all use visual supports in our daily lives without even really thinking about it. And many of us really depend on visuals in our day-to-day lives, such as sat-navs, especially if your sense of direction is as terrible as mine, diaries, calendars, how-to videos, um, even a certain famous Swedish brand's flat pack furniture instructions can be classed as a form of visual as well. Okay, uh, yeah, so visuals are all around us, I think is what, what you're saying, and they're, they're part of everyday life. Um, why would you say visuals are very important when we're thinking about young people on the autism spectrum, Lois? So I suppose it's easiest to um, describe if you imagine that you've booked a package holiday and it involves visiting several different cities by lots of modes of transport for several nights, but you've forgotten your itinerary and can't get hold of your travel agent. So every day you don't know where you're going or what you're supposed to be doing. How would you feel? I know certainly I'd be feeling quite anxious and frustrated and that's how our young people with ASD can feel every day. So there are many reasons why visuals of support are important in helping us with that. So they're important for helping people on the autism spectrum know about what's coming and being able to plan. And and I think we're saying as well, it's it's probably even more important for people on the autism spectrum than for, for what we might call neurotypicals or for everybody else. And And I think we would link that to people on the spectrum kind of really being clued into things visually is not fair enough to say Lois that they maybe learn or receive information most positively at times in a visual way generally speaking. Absolutely most individuals with ASD tend to be visual learners so they process information they see visually more so effectively than they do with information they just hear through their auditory channels so words are fleeting I mean they come and go very quickly but visuals remain and they allow information to be processed instantly. And it takes away the need to retain large pieces of information at one time, such as lots of travel directions, which is why we use sat-navs. They also help provide structure to our day as well, um, through use of diaries and timetables and schedules. And they're really good at providing reassurance and a point of reference when we've difficulty paying attention or we're distracted. Visuals are really helpful as well in helping to promote independence through cookery videos, DIY instruction sheets, and they can also help improve our organisational skills too, by means of checklists and to-do lists. And visuals are really important because they tend to outline what's expected of us, when sometimes instructions can be quite vague, and that's something young people with ASD can struggle with, interpreting language when it can be quite ambiguous. 
you know, things like tidy your room and get ready. What does that even mean? You're telling us a lot there. You're 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 helping me think about visuals even differently as we're having this conversation. I think you're <clears throat> saying that people, if you want to give information to someone who's on the autism spectrum, if you haven't given it to them in a visual way, you could even ask yourself, have you totally told them properly? So if a parent's getting very frustrated at their child on the spectrum, he hasn't done what I said for them to do. Well, if they haven't told them visually, maybe they need to cut them some slack. So that's one thing I'm taking from what you're saying. And then I'm really struck with what you were saying about structure that we know that structure can be so important for someone on the autism spectrum, knowing what's coming, managing the unexpected. And I think you're saying having a schedule and having that visually and having it there and permanent is a clear structure. So that in itself is reassuring and calming for someone who could find the, the absence of that difficult. And then I'm also struck that you said uh, visuals are more precise, perhaps. It's maybe a bit clearer. Um, and you can keep returning to it if you're not sure. So I think you're you're already giving us plenty to think about, and there's lots of different aspects to why visuals could be helpful for someone on the autism spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they do help outline what is expected of us. So breaking down even individual activities or tasks into their steps can really be helpful, such as brushing your teeth. What are the steps involved in that? And um, sometimes it can be really helpful to be quite explicit with young people about all the different tasks needed to accomplish um, a goal um, and that can be set out in a visual way to prompt them as they go along. So maybe if a parent is listening to this and they're going to start working at visuals, maybe we're saying at the start it might help to be a bit more over-inclusive rather than under-inclusive. So if we just have brush your teeth as a as something Absolutely. visually, it might be better to list that in a bit more detail and be told, hey, that's too much information, mum, I don't need that, rather than be under-inclusive. Would that be a fair comment as well, Lois, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's better to err on the side of caution and give too much rather than too little. And I think your young person will be very quick to tell you whether they need that amount of, of detail or not. But certainly it does help having it there as a backup, you know, for a particularly bad day or if they're feeling overwhelmed, yeah. just as a point of reference or reassurance. Yeah. And in terms of planning a day, I wonder, do you want to say a bit for the folk listening, be a parent listening, about how visuals can help a young person with the planning of their day? So yeah, I think um, the most common form of visual that I would recommend to most families that I work with would be schedules, using visual schedules. And they can be arranged in many different ways from left to right, top to bottom. And they can range from very simple first then prompts to planning your whole day. And each activity or event on this schedule is represented individually. And when it's completed, it's either removed, crossed out or ticked off to indicate that it's finished. And then we can transition on to the next task. So generally, younger children tend to benefit from using objects, photos and pictures in their schedules, whilst written schedules are mainly used with adolescents and adults. However, I suppose it's important to, to recognise that schedules should be tailored to each individual. And I guess I suppose it's a bit like cooking or baking. Some of us like to use cookbooks that have pictures alongside the instructions to show each step of the process. Others may find that too distracting and prefer written text with a picture of the final product, while some people really enjoy cookery shows or videos and find those easier to follow. So it really depends on the individual. Hmm. So general principles about visuals, but how it's delivered can be different from person to person uh, again you've given us plenty to think about there Lois I'm, I'm, I'm thinking over one of the first things you said there was about the first then 
And and I think just for folk who maybe haven't come across that before, I, I think what we're saying is that's dividing things into into very simple order of two things. First, we do this, then we do that. First, we brush our teeth, then we get our school bag. And, and just I think we're saying that that sort of simple verbal division of what comes first can be be helpful even something as as basic as that am I getting you right with that bit Lois yeah completely and I think it can be used for lots of things it can be used as a motivator as well so you know you're totally right two two activities sometimes we would advise families to use the first activity as the non-preferred activity so the thing that you want your young person to do that maybe they don't particularly enjoy or they might find difficult with the then activity being their motivator something they're going to work really hard for um, and it can be really useful tool then to help with motivation and cooperation for adult-led tasks as well that sounds like a good tactic such as first do your homework then get cake Absolutely. I like to do it with first do the ironing and then have a cup of tea. So we could all use that. Completely. Um, and then something else you say said there about the, the, the visual schedule I thought was, was interesting as well. And that's just not just having the visual schedule, but then crossing it out or, or making some mark on it or taking it off the wall. Something to um, point out that we've moved on to the next thing, because I suppose that's interesting because if we had a list of five or six things on a visual schedule and we didn't tick them off, the parent might think they're doing completely the right thing. But in some ways that could perhaps even confuse someone on the spectrum. You might think, well, have we definitely finished number two before we got to number three? Where are we on this list? Uh, uh, that's an interesting point as well. And that could be done just by like putting a line through things, taking things off the wall or, or whatever, Lois. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. It, I suppose it depends on what way you want to form your, your visual schedule. So if it's a written um, checklist, you might just want to cross it out or tick it off. If it is a, a laminated picture schedule, you might want to just take it off and post it somewhere just so your young person can see that that activity now is finished and to enable them to transition onto the next one. Yes. And and I think you mentioned as well about differences for different age groups and, and, and teenagers will obviously have different um, needs in this area than, than a, a younger child. Have you any comments or ideas about the uh, adolescents about how they could go about managing their visuals yeah I mean certainly um, for most young people they tend to enjoy technology and um, so I would advise most families to try and use that to your advantage so certainly smartphones and tablets are a really good form of providing visual reinforcement um, the likes of um, notes apps and calendars and um, even texts and whatsapps are really good ways of prompting young people and reminding them of certain activities that they need to do and when it needs to happen even alerts on their phone you know with a, a vibration or, or a, um, a signal going off and um, just to kind of keep them on track but they tend to be a bit more subtle and um, so more likely to be used by um, our adolescents and teens um, as it's more socially acceptable mm. Um, and I guess even the likes of calendars, I mean, most families will have a calendar in their home, um, but they can be used to kind of prepare young people for upcoming changes or events such as Christmases or birthdays. And I tend to find that colour coding can be quite useful for teens, particularly as they navigate um, post-primary education, certainly with their timetables to distinguish between different classes. Um, so a colour system could be used um, to categorise textbooks and equipment needed for each class. For example, you might want to choose green to represent maths. So therefore, each equipment or 
um, jotter or textbook that you may need for that class might have a green sticker on it and that certainly helps with packing the school bag the night before and just makes it a little bit easier um, and colour coding can be really useful for teens as well when it comes to um, homeworks and exam studying um, to help prioritise so red might be to denote that um, something's really important or it needs to be completed first or has a shorter deadline with orange being next important and green tasks possibly being optional or additional. So lots of different ways to do it. Good to introduce colour, good to keep things in a shared space for say a, a family diary or so on and then thinking about technology as well for, for older ones and, and thinking what they're using already and try and build the visuals into that, whether that's notes or whatever. That reminds me actually of, of talking with a family recently and the young person was on the autism spectrum and was quite distressed and their mum very sensibly thought the best way to check in with them was actually by sending them a WhatsApp message and asking them a bit about that that way rather than the, the potentially more overwhelming conversation emotionally, you know, yeah. talking face to face. Yeah, and we would certainly find that quite a lot where sometimes families may want to have like a worry WhatsApp group, you know, where maybe it's just a mum, dad and a young person involved in that for a young person to text in um, or WhatsApp whenever they're feeling a bit overwhelmed or a worry that they might have throughout the day. And as you say, it takes away from that face to face conversation, which can sometimes be quite difficult for individuals with ASD in terms of reading body language and nonverbal skills. Um, and even trying to process and formulate their ideas and responses so it can be really useful tool to to use um, to help yeah I'm wondering then about managing upcoming change and and visuals in that area and 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 you've already given us some thoughts about that about a calendar and I suppose there could be some sort of countdown within that but have you any other thoughts about uh, how a family might manage a big change such as say a transition to a new year in school or even a move of school how visuals could sort of fit in and support that potentially stressful event so yeah I mean I suppose I guess we've all experienced significant change over the last few months due to COVID-19 and the ongoing restrictions Um, so I think it's more important um, than ever to use visuals to support young people with ASD in these uncertain times Um, and I guess it's important to remember that the change can be both positive and negative um, and should be treated the same um, and yeah certainly transitions back to school after the significant period of time the young people have been off um, has certainly been more difficult um, and as a team we have developed transition packs for young people to use to help support that transition back to school and manage some of the anxiety around that for the family um, and within that are many visuals that can be used um, to help alleviate some of those worries um, and prepare them for how different school might appear once they return um, with infection controls and social bubbles um, so that that can be found um, through our service and certainly um, service users can get in contact with our admin team to request that resource um, but I suppose in a day-to-day um, basis change can be built into a young person's schedule through use of question marks um, so these can be placed alongside events or activities that may or may not happen you know due to uncontrollable factors such as weather or time um, the meaning of the question mark I suppose would need to be explained initially if you're trying to introduce this um, and I always find it really useful to include a plan b alongside that question mark activity So, for example, if you're going to go to the park and that is your activity today, but the weather has changed and doesn't permit that, 
to have already had an idea about what activity you may want to engage in if that doesn't go ahead. So for instance, watching a movie and that would be placed then above or below or alongside that picture of the park so that you're telling your young person that that activity has changed but this is what we're going to be doing now. So they have a backup and they're not worrying about their whole schedule changing or their whole day or what that might mean and you can easily transition them then. Um, Sometimes families may wish to practice managing change by incorporating a question mark activity into the schedule just on its own and introducing it just as a change. Um, And really to do that initially, you you might want to familiarise your young person with the concept that it's positive or fun activity to begin with so that they understand that not all change is scary or unpleasant and the young person should obviously be praised and with coping with that change. Um, Middletown Centre for Autism have a really lovely video resource on their best practice section of their website that demonstrates how to support change with individuals and it gives really nice practical tips alongside visual templates that you can use. Um, I think it's important that alongside changes, families encourage a young person to engage in their preferred calming activities and if possible, use positive affirmations such as I can do this. I think something that needs to be considered is leaving an activity unfinished um, and moving on to a new activity. Uh, So generally, I would be advising families to try and make a note of what they were doing and certainly teenagers can do that themselves so that when the change occurs, they're able to pick up where they left off when they're able to return to that previous activity. There's a lot in there, Lois. That's helpful. And and even the advice about managing the uncertainty within a schedule. I really like that concept of the question mark and about the alternate activity, because, of course, we know the world cannot be entirely planned out. Uh, Things will have to change, and those are just some practical tips about how to make that more manageable for someone on the on the spectrum. It reminds me a bit as well, I once heard a parent tell me that their young person was about to start a youth activity, uh, a youth programme event outside of school, and they had got then some photographs even of the hall where the thing would be on, who their leaders would be, what the sort of routine of it would even be, and I suppose visuals and, and prompts in advance like that can could help too, I suppose. Yeah, and we've had many families contact us over over the summer months, I suppose, worrying about the transition for their young people back into school. And that's definitely something that we would be advising, you know, maybe checking out the school website if it's a new school, if they're, you know, transferring from primary to post-primary, if they're not able to visit in person and maybe having a talk to some of the teachers, checking out the classroom that they may be in. Um, can really be helpful looking at the school uniform as well trying that on a couple of times before you're there um, can really be really good ways of helping prepare for, for that change but also being aware that you can prepare as much as you possibly can but there will probably be some anxiety surrounding that and um, just trying to expect that and um, put in place then some relaxation activities um, to, to help your young person manage their anxiety and their worries hmm. Thanks Lois I wonder, uh, moving on from that a little bit, are there any other ways that visuals could help families and young people on the autism spectrum? Yeah, visuals can be really helpful as well um, during unstructured times, which is maybe not something that we really tend to think about. Um, We tend to think about visuals with structure and routines, 
but sometimes free time that has no specific rules or activities and therefore no boundaries or limits can be quite as challenging for young people with ASD. Um, so what I find useful is board boards or busy boards, as we like to call them. Um, they can be a really effective way of structuring free time while still supporting choice and promoting flexibility. So ideally, these would take the form of maybe whiteboards, written lists, some paper or even smartphone reminders. Um, and they should include several different activities that the individual can complete to occupy their spare time such as reading a book, listening to music, going for a walk, baking a cake. Um, visuals are also a really good um, way of reinforcing um, behaviour as well and trying to promote that too. So the likes of reward charts that I suppose a lot of families would be familiar with are a form of visual. You know, they're there to represent what expected behaviour that you're targeting um, and I suppose demonstrate then the kind of progress towards achieving that goal. Um, and as well as that, we would also talk about visuals to kind of help um, with sleep. Um, certainly I had a, a family um, a couple of weeks ago that I was um, providing advice to about sleep um, for a young person that was waking up several times throughout the night, coming into the family um, living room or into the parents' bedroom, just wanting a hug, wanting a glass of water, needing to go to the toilet, but happening quite a lot throughout the night. Um, so we discussed using um, sleep tokens as a visual way um, to try and um, target that behaviour and reduce the amount of times the young person got up. Um, so the idea of that would be that um, a family would have a certain number of tokens that they would allocate to the young person that night. So for instance, three, um, and they would be given to the young person and each time they got up, they would swap that token and give it to the parent. But when the tokens were all finished, they couldn't get up any longer. But it was up to them how they used their, their tokens. Um, and slowly but surely then those tokens should be then reduced over time with the hope that they may not need to, to, to get up at all. But again, it's a visual reminder and a token exchange system. I'm thinking about the tokens and thinking about amusements and thinking, can they trade them back in for, <laughs> in, in for money at the end of the week? But that, that's maybe a different podcast. Um, and, and you mentioned right at the start of that about board boards. Can I just check, even for our listeners' benefit if, and my own curiosity, is that a, you, you are bored and as in you have nothing to do and here's a board B-O-A-R-D that tells you what you can do yes just yes. in case anyone's wondering what a board board is completely right yes Got board it right. as good, in good. emotion and then board yep okay thank you for for that um in terms of emotional regulation Lois and we know that's an important thing for all of us and for those on the spectrum um do you think visuals have a role in there yeah, I think feelings of anxiety can certainly increase our dependence on visuals. I mean, I was just talking to James before we started our podcast today about my feelings um, I was experiencing today. And I guess I'd liken it to what I'm going through now. I mean, on my day-to-day -day job, I talk about visuals um, with many families and I deliver training about it. Um, but this is a very different medium. This is my first podcast and I'm in a different environment and I'm speaking to a different person and suddenly the skill that I thought I had now feels like a completely new skill to me. So I'm certainly more dependent on, on visuals to support me and help reduce my feelings of anxiety. So I'm making more visual notes and prompts to myself 
just so I don't forget anything important. I checked and double checked uh, James's Zoom invite to make sure I had the right time. I had a written checklist of all the equipment that I needed today. Um, and they're all forms of visuals that help just lower my feelings of anxiety um, in relation to doing a task that I need to do. So there are many forms of visual tools that can help and explain and support how to recognise, understand and manage our emotions. And my colleague Gillian will be talking about managing emotions in more detail in another podcast. But some simple visuals to increase emotional understanding include body mapping. So this is a tool that helps us to identify where we feel different emotions on our body and to increase our body's warning signals so we can recognise and respond to these signals at an earlier stage. So really it's an outline of a body and you would direct your young person to try and map onto it, draw, colour in where they experience the different sensations of a certain emotion. So where do you feel it? And alongside that, it's really useful then to talk about what can you do then when you're experiencing that emotion. Another thing that we would use quite often within the paediatric ASD service is the incredible five-point scale. So it was developed by Carrie Dunburn and Mitzi Curtis, and it's a five-colour coded level um, that helps us to identify what each level of emotion may look like, feel like, and possible solutions or strategies that can help when we're experiencing that emotion as well. So it just helps us rank our emotion in terms of severity and then um, directs us to the appropriate coping strategy. Another thing that we would use quite often with, um, particularly with teens, would be self-soothing or chill-out menus or checklists as well. Um, so these are just really visual reminders of common activities and coping strategies that are easily accessible. So sometimes when we're feeling overwhelmed, um, anxious or angry, it can be quite hard to think online of what helps us to feel better. So having those written down or having visual prompts to remind us of those and to, to prompt us to engage in those activities can be really useful. Thanks for all that, Lois. And, and again, I think your answer is reassuring because quite a bit of what you're talking about there is the use of visuals that we might use in everyday life because you're even talking about having some notes about answers uh, double checking reminders on things things that we all do and actually those are so important as well we imagine for folk on the spectrum Absolutely. and it doesn't all have to be sophisticated some of it could be just doing the basics right as well as having other tools as you've mentioned as as well that's that's really helpful are there any other factors lois you think we would need to consider when we're using visual supports yeah i think it's really important um i suppose to emphasize to families that Visuals shouldn't really be removed. Um, sometimes it can seem like a young person is not as dependent on the visuals any longer, um, not really using or referring to them as much as they previously did. But I guess it's like um, traffic lights or signs and imagine they were eliminated from the town that you live in. So even though you drive along those roads every single day and you feel like you can drive and you know where you're going and you know what you're doing, how would you feel if, if those signs were gone? So I think it's important that visuals are used consistently. And another um, common difficulty some families may experience is when their young person seems to grow out of their visuals. Um, and again, it's just a reminder that visuals need to be adapted to the age and stage of the user. So they will need revised and refined over time to ensure that they are as effective as they can be. Yes, and, and it sounds like you're, you're saying, Lois, that for someone on the spectrum, they probably don't grow out of 
their need of uh, or their benefit they'll, they'll get from visuals but it would need maybe tailored as they go along am i getting you right about that yeah yeah and for those who are listening to this uh lois and and, and they're really interested in this and they maybe want to read up a bit more or get some other resources are there any particular places perhaps online that we could direct people to so yeah i i suppose i've just given you a brief overview of how we can support what we say in a visual way and this list is by no means exhaustive um, but if you want to learn more about visuals and how to use them there are really lots of helpful websites that provide practical instructions and templates um, Middletown Centre for Autism um, on www.middletownautism.com um, has lots of lovely resources. Um, Autism NI um, website is www.autismni.org. Um, it's a really good protocol for families covering lots of aspects about ASD and certainly some resources targeting visuals. Um, the Education Authorities Autism Advisory and Intervention Service on the Education Authorities website um, have developed lots of lovely resources um, over lockdown and um, lots of really nice um, visually supported packs for young people ranging from very young right up until our teens as well. Um, and National Autistic Society um, is always a really good website for families and even young people with ASD to check out. And it's at www.autism.org.uk. That's really helpful, Lois, and lo- lots of resources there that people can uh, dig into if, if they want to know more. I wonder, just as we draw to a close, as we've thought about uh, uh, visuals, have you any sort of parting advice or or, or, or final comment for folk listening just about the role of visuals for young people on the autism spectrum? Yeah, I think what I would like to get across most today is that visuals don't need to be fancy laminated pieces of art. They should be functional and they should make your lives and the lives of your young people easier, not harder. Um, so don't be put off or feel nervous about using visuals. Um, I hope what I've talked about today inspires you to just give it a go um, and and see the difference that it makes to to your uh, young person with ASD and indeed the lives of, of your family as well. Thank you for that encouraging uh, way to finish, Lois, and thank you for all your, your comments and ideas and an and onward signposting to other resources today. And thank you to you, the listeners as well. Uh, thank you for listening and we hope you find this helpful. <laughs>